Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, where we listen to an older episode with a new introduction. This episode actually doesn't need much of an introduction. When I first start, like, before I started doing the show, whenever I talked about paranormal encounters that I had, these are kind of the stories I would start off with. Because when we look at ghost hunting, a lot of times we base it on stuff we see in television or stuff we've read in books. But what these, the, the first story is about a guy with some workplace violence, a man with a sword. I have nothing to do with that story, although I find that story, I thought that segment was really interesting too. But the two follow-up stories, my two paranormal encounters, they're not things that you think would happen if you're hunting ghosts. They're not things that I thought were possible. And they are bone-chilling. The implications of these stories, which is far they happened to me. You can believe me. You cannot believe me. You can think I was mistaken. I could have been mistaken. All of those things are possible. But I experienced them, and I believe them to be true. And these stories are chilling. Because it totally shakes up the game. And actually, it doesn't only shake up the game for ghost hunters or paranormal investigators. It changes the game for you. Tonight in your home. Because if it is possible for ghosts, spirits, or demons to do to you what happened to me in these following stories, well, you can imagine what the results would be. So let's go ahead and get started with this episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, episode 124. No one can hear you scream. A dispute at a workplace becomes a close encounter of the sword kind. And then I'm going to share some personal stories I have that involve ghosts and the ability to both mimic a human voice and to make your screams silent today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. You know what Tesla should have invented? You know, I wonder if these exist, but a quiet heater. Most heaters are quite noisy. I'm saying this because I'm freezing right now. It is super cold here. I think it's probably about 35, 34 degrees this night. I can't run my heater because I'm recording. So, and also, I did have another story planned for tonight. That was a story that's been on the Conspiracy Iceberg for a while. I'm not going to reveal what it is just yet. But what happened was, I had just... Oh, I'll reveal it. So, Monday's episode, we're going to do the Paleolithic Deep State. Do cavemen secretly run the world? And I had just... I was The story was prepped. It was ready to go. Because the reason why I'm saying this, I try to do two Conspiracy Iceberg stories a week. That's kind of been my setup. A minimum one. But, so that one I had ready to go, and I knew what I was going to talk about, and I came across some brand new information on it that gave me a whole new angle to go on the story. So we're going to wait a little bit for that. And so because of that, I'm going to talk about one of my personal experiences. We'll get to that in a second. I tend not to like to talk about my personal experiences, not because I'm shy or anything, but because I can't, there's nothing I can really link 
to that. I'll see if I can f- try to find some articles that relate to this experience, but I always try to give you stories that I can provide backup for. But we've done stuff. Um, the Stanley Hotel episode was mostly based on my experiences and then the Shadow People invasion. But even those had some links. So we'll see. The ghost stories I'm going to tell you are quite odd. Okay, I wanted to tell this story real quick. It's from New News. And we're traveling again back to the year 2004. And this is a short one. It's such a bizarre story. We're in 2004. We're in the United States. And we're in a company called Peerless Steel Corporation. They make bolts and stuff. Actually, they don't. They don't. I just re-looked at my notes. They make they make metal powder for brakes. So they don't make bolts. But anyway, they make just like giant Frankenstein bolts. And there was this guy who's at work. He got picked on all the time. All the time. By one guy in particular was always picking on him. And I thought it was a little ironic that the company was named Peerless and this guy had no peers. But anyway, so he's sitting in at work. And he's like, <laughs> he might have been humming a copyright song, but I don't know. I'm going to use a non-copyrighted song. And he's humming, and he's uh, sharpening it. He's hit or miss. I bet you never miss, huh? The song came out like 14 years later. But anyways, he's working on something, and people are kind of like, hey, dude, what are you working on? And he's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm building a sword. And people are like, what? And, you know, it's a it's a metalwork company. People are probably always building weird stuff. We used to build baseball bats in woodshop in high school. They don't allow you to do that anymore, I don't think. But anyway, that you never miss, huh? You got a boy sharpening, making the sword. After a couple days, and no one really thought anything of it. After a couple days, he must have just been like, oh, holds the sword up, and then goes, everyone leave, except for you, bully. And everyone's like... And, you know, the thing is, is that at any point they could have said, dude, stop making a sword at work. Do it on your own time and then leave it at home. But anyways, he's like, everyone just go home. I have business with this guy. And the other dudes don't go home. They do leave because the guy has a sword. They go outside. They call the police. And then the guy with the sword just walks up and just hits the bully on the back of the head so hard, nearly decapitates him. Basically just like a barbarian killing blow. And then he leaves. He runs away. So, actually, no. Before the cop, They call the cops and he runs away. And before the cops get there, he comes back to the factory, sits down, and as the cops are pulling up, he's drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette. And it's weird because at any point they could have said, stop building a sword. But they didn't. They probably just thought he was kind of a harmless guy. You know, the article is quite vague because I had to find a newer version of the article that I could link to. It's such an old event. But they don't really say what he was being bullied. He was being bullied because they're like, I bet you can't make a sword, loser. And he's like, oh, I'll show you. But yeah, nuts, dude. I can't imagine any workplace now somebody making a weapon and it going unnoticed. Unless it was like the cool guy that no one messed with. Like, he's so cool. He can make all the swords he wants. But for the most part, if you... I think in workplaces today, if you walked around making gun noises with your fingers, they'd you'd probably get dragged into HR, let alone making a three-foot-long sword. It, it probably wasn't three feet long, but anyways, it was a long sword. And took place two days before Halloween. Actually, you know, maybe they thought he was making it for a Halloween costume. Still, they wouldn't let you do that today. Okay, that's that story. So let's go ahead and talk about... Some creepy things that happened to me involving ghosts. And it's something that was very disconcerting. There was two particular events because it changed the way I looked at paranormal threats. And it's always kind of colored my attitude towards the paranormal and personal safety. 
So the first story, a little bit of background. Now, I know I have a lot of listeners around the world. We only have like 60% of our listenership is in the United States. The rest of it is global. But in America, in most major cities, uh, people have seen these. And so I have to explain this real quick. What happens is you'll see uh, uh, places of business, you'll see uh, real estate companies or burger shops or whatever, and there will be a dancing guy on a street corner with a sign, and they dance around and they spin the sign around and they kind of do crazy tricks, and the sign says, you know, like, eat at Mr. Pickle's restaurant shop, or buy your home at uh, Honey and Vinegar Real Estate, whatever it is. So you see them around, they, they actually get paid pretty well, it's like $15 an hour to just sit there on a street corner kind of dance around a bit and spin this sign and you know you listen to your own music you don't they don't give you music to dance to you kind of pick it out you're crunking with the sign no one can read it i remember there's always i've done a lot of odd jobs in my life and i don't necessarily mean that as a turn of phrase i've worked at a crematory for a while i've done i've been a nanny i've done all sorts of crazy jobs those two jobs weren't back to back but i've had all sorts of uh, crazy small jobs in my life i worked for a psychic phone network for a while that was a depressing job i'll tell that story someday but i remember once i was like oh you know i could dance around for 15 dollars an hour and there was an ad in the newspaper for dancing guy on street corner and i was like i can do that it's 15 bucks an hour you know and this was back like in 98 so 15 bucks was a lot of money back then but anyway so i remember calling them up and they said well here's the thing what we need you to do first you need to prove your metal and i'm like dance competition and they're like well no not a dance competition they go what we're going to have you do is you're going to put up it was for a real estate company they'll go all along this main route it was hazel avenue in in orangevale citrus heights sacramento area but it was on orange in orangevale down hazel you're going to put these signs up for this new real estate development and each friday night i had to put them up and by sunday afternoon i had to take them down (laughs) otherwise they got fined because they weren't allowed to advertise during the week it was actually the only job i ever got fired from because i couldn't um i never took the signs i'd always leave like one or two signs up i'd miss them and they'd end up getting fined but i remember the guy came to give me my supplies he gave me a sledgehammer and a bunch of wooden stakes and i was like okay this is cool because whether or not the job is any fun i can at least fight vampires and i remember him telling me he goes listen listen kid Because I was probably like 19. He goes, listen, kid. He might not have said kid. But anyways, he's like chomping a cigar. He's like, listen, kid. You've got this job. You're going to put these signs up on Friday nights. You're going to take them down on Sunday afternoons. And if you do a good job, if you do a good job, quote, he actually said this. If you do a good job, someday you'll be that guy dancing on the street corner. And I'm thinking, I'm beneath him? I'm beneath the Mr. Pickles guy? Like, I was a rung below him. And I ended up getting fired from that job. But... So there was also this field off, uh, it was off of Hazel Avenue. There was this large field and we had gone there. Me and my friends had gone there a couple times ghost hunting because it was creepy. We had seen some shadow men there. We had seen, I had seen a shadow man there and I have a unique experience. Well, here, I'll tell this shadow man story here. So me and my friends rolled up to this field because it sets the tone for this area. It was, it looked like when you stood on the edge of the field. It was right off of Hazel, if you know the area, but near Gold River. But anyways, when you stood on the edge of the field, it looked like the field went on for a, like, it looked like it went on forever. It didn't, obviously, but in the middle of the suburban area, there was just this large field that had never been developed. I remember once I rolled up there with my friends, and I said, we all get out of our car, we're walking around. And there was this one guy who's like, I don't believe in ghosts, I don't believe in ghosts. And back then, I was like, totally believed in ghosts. Every ghost story was true, all that stuff. We rolled up to this field, and I was like, yeah, this place is pretty creepy. And the dude who didn't believe in anything, 
he was standing there with his girlfriend. And we had we had probably like six, seven people with us. I think we took a couple cars. And dude was standing there on the edge of the field. And I saw a shadow person. Okay, and let me say this too. Of course, all these stories you take with a grain of salt. Like, they did happen. They're 100% true. But if you don't believe them, that's fine. Because again, I'm just it's just one person telling a story to you. And I have nothing to back it up. But anyway, so I was standing there, and this dude who didn't believe in ghosts or nothing like that, he saw, he was just walking around, standing there with his girlfriend, and we're just kind of milling about, and I see a shadow person standing right behind him. Now, I'm walking towards the shadow person, and I'm walking, the dude's name was Chris, I'm walking up basically behind Chris, he's looking in one direction, and I see the shadow person standing behind him, and... It was one of those weird things where I remember the shadow person almost having color in it. It It's such a bizarre thing. But I couldn't describe it. It basically was a shadow-shaped human, but there was a little bit of color. It was so bizarre. And I walked up to... And I didn't tell Chris what was going on. I didn't tell him what I saw anything. I was like, don't move. There's a spooky ghost. I didn't... None of that stuff. I just walked up behind him. And I'm now maybe a foot and a half, two feet behind Chris. And again, he's not aware of what I'm doing. And I put my hands where the shadow person was and didn't tell anyone what I was doing. I just kind of pushed, kind of walked up to behind Chris. And again, there's a still a foot between me and Chris. I put maybe even further, maybe two or three feet. I put my hands up to where the shadow person was. And when I did, Chris's knees buckled. Like, I saw him physically kind of, like, buckle down. And again, I didn't tell him anything that I was doing. And he turned around, and he's like, what happened? And I was like, there there was something behind you. And I walked up to it, and I touched it. And he goes, I don't like this, man. I don't like this. And we hung out there for, we we were there for maybe just a few more minutes. And and he's like, I don't like this at all. And the plan was then to go to, I think it it wasn't Sherry's, Caro's at the time. So we drive back down Hazel, go to Caro's. We all pull into the parking lot because we had multiple vehicles. And we get out, and Chris and his girlfriend at the time, and they're like, we're out. And I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, I I don't feel good, dude. I don't feel good. And he just left. And it was a weird experience. And that wasn't the only experience we had at that field. A lot of times you would just get an eerie sense, or you would hear something moving around in the trees, which that could just be wildlife. But that shadow person standing behind him was always kind of a weird... I knew then that that area, particular area, was haunted. And so, these two stories collide. So, at one point, I had my sledgehammer. I was out in that area, because it was right off the road where I'd put the signs up. And one day, I was rolling with my boys, and I had my little brother there as well. So, I had two of my friends who weren't there for the shadow people stuff. It was two other friends that I went ghost hunting with, because I did it a lot in my 20s. I was there with them and my little brother. We pull up to that field... And while we're there and we're like looking for ghosts, a car full of high schoolers showed up. Now, I don't want to over oversell it, but Orangeville and Citrus Heights, Citrus Heights may have calmed down a bit, but Orangeville's always been basically, even though it's part of a large city, it's a suburb of a suburb, you get in fights really you I got in a lot of fights. I got in a lot of fights back then. And you would just get in fights with people. And you would just have to, basically, whenever you went out, you're like, ah, there's a chance that I'm going to get in a fight tonight. It was just something that you had to deal with. So these high schoolers rolled up looking for a fight. I'm standing there with my friends. We're all like, hey, let's go find ghosts. Maybe I get an EVP. But we we would we would still, like, beat the shit out of people. Like, you just, again, it didn't matter what, what clique you ran with. 
you had to be prepared to fight. And so anyways, this car full of high school students run, roll up and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing? And you're just like talking trash. Right? I'm not trying to be like a tough guy or nothing. I had my boys with me. It wasn't like I'm, I feel like I'm trying to make myself to be out some some sort of badass. But these dudes roll up and they're talking trash and I'm just kind of letting them talk trash. You know, they're because I'm holding a sledgehammer. I'm holding a and the sledgehammer that I got was like a minute. It was like a miniature sledgehammer, so it was probably about three feet long because it was just for driving wooden stakes, and it wasn't a full giant long sledgehammer. But they roll up, and I'm just kind of I have it kind of down at my waist, and the car doesn't see it because it's nighttime. And they're talking trash, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. And when I decide to make my move, I just raise the sledgehammer. I'm like, get out of your car, dude. And the car obviously they take off. Because they're like, no matter what, if we think we could take this guy in a fist fight, he has a sledgehammer. And again, not telling that story because I'm some sort of badass, because I'm not. But I'm telling that story because of what happened next. So we're out there for longer, because we're not going to let these guys ruin our night. We had a whole night of ghost hunting planned. And I'll tell the we had a bunch of weird stuff happen that night. But this particular thing is this particular story. So we're out there for a bit longer, and I was like, hey, dude, I got to piss, dude. I'm going to go behind this building. It was basically like a, there was a the big field, but then if you walked a block, there was like this uh, a little mini mall type of thing. But it had like auto repair shop and stuff like that. But for some reason, I we left. I, actually, I think I didn't want to piss in the haunted field. So I go over around the corner. We drive the car a bit. I jump out. I go around the corner, and I start peeing. As I'm continue, as I'm still peeing, so... It's hanging out, urinating all over this person's business. My brother and my two friends come running around the corner. And I'm like, yo, dude, dude, what the hell? Dude, I got, I, I got my dick out. Like, what are you guys doing? And they all look at each other and they go, were you just screaming? And I was like, no. And they're like, we just heard you screaming, dude. You were just screaming for help, like at the top of your lungs. And my little brother's like, we thought that car circled back around. And they all jumped out, and you guys were fighting. And I was like, no, dude, look, at I'm pissing. There's nobody around me. And all three of them are like, dude, we all heard you scream for help. Like, as loud as you could. And you can imagine, I think, if you listen to this podcast, how loud it gets sometimes. I have to sometimes gate the audio. But I was, And we got into, me and these guys, I was like, I had to zip up. But I was like, no, I wasn't screaming. And they're like, dude, we 100% heard you screaming for your life. And I thought about it. As we were driving around, I thought, and these guys, we had all done ghost hunting together. And we had a rule, and this is a rule I generally have with ghost hunting. No pranks. No jokes. Like, if we're out in a location, don't go, I just forgot I left my oven on. (laughs) None of that. Because it totally defeats the purpose. When you went out with me to do this type of stuff, no jokes, no jumping out scaring people. No saying you saw stuff when you didn't see stuff. That was our rule. And especially my little brother wouldn't have been on it. Because he was new to kind of hanging out with us. He would have said, nah, let's not do that. So I trust him 100% when they said that they actually thought they heard me yelling. And I thought about it. And we all kind of talked about it throughout the night. We did more ghost hunting and stuff. But the fact that... Okay, so something imitated my voice. Something said... Help me, help me, whatever, screaming at the top of my lungs while I was completely silent. And again, I would never pull a prank on them like that. So we have an experience where a ghost is able to mimic the voice of a person and 
say new phrases. It's not simply that you walk in a haunted house and you go, is anyone here? And you hear back, is anyone here? Which would be creepy enough, obviously. But it wasn't an echo. It was new thoughts and new ideas in my voice getting those people to my area. Now, here's the creepy thing about that. There's always that idea, like, let's say that you're out ghost hunting. You trust the people you're with. You should, at least. And something gathers you all in one spot. You hear someone crying out for help, and everyone goes to a particular spot, and they're like, I swore I heard Jason in the middle of the woods. And everyone goes there, and that's where that force, that darkness wants you at that moment. Or, even creepier, it spreads you out. So, one person hears my voice over here, my little brother hears my voice over here, and my third friend hears my voice over here, and they start going, he's over here, he's over here. No, 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 I swear it's coming from over here, and they start to, the group starts to spread out. Very chilling. I've never run into that. Now, I didn't hear it myself, but again, it's interesting to think that something could imitate you and basically lay a trap. But the second story I'm going to tell is far more troubling. I had a friend that was also into the paranormal. I think she went on a couple ghost hunts with us, but she wasn't one of the regulars. And her name was Dana, and she was a good friend of mine. And she had a pet cockatoo, which is a bird that talked. I forgot what the name of it was. It was super vicious, dude. It would chase you around the house. It would bite you. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. But, you know, it was her pet, so what are you going to do? And we hung out a lot, and we stayed up talking and things like that. No big deal. I spent the night at her house a couple times, but it was total just friend thing. And so I remember one night, and she, oh, and she, the reason why I would stay the night at her house, because her house, she would, she claimed multiple times, my house is haunted. My house is haunted. You should stay the night. My house is haunted. And so, so I stayed the night at her house a couple times. And again, like, we would just stay up talking, and then we would, go to sleep, I would sleep on the couch, and she had a bedroom upstairs with her bird. Not the bird wasn't in the bed, but, you know, she shared a bedroom with her bird, who I forgot the name of. I feel bad. I wonder if he's still alive, because I know birds live a long time. But anyways, I remember one night, and again, I was really into ghost hunting and really into, like, looking at magical rituals online and just getting in, getting in over my head. This all, these both of these stories happened around the time of the shadow people invasion that I was talking about, where I was just seeing more stuff than I wanted to. My curiosity was more than peaked, and it was just, I was seeing it everywhere. So, one night, I'm downstairs, she's upstairs, and her mom also thought that, oh, and here's an interesting story about her mom, too. I I should tell this story just because it's so bizarre. She said, you know, my mom had a childhood sweetheart, and they were in high school together. And he, he wanted to marry her when they graduated. He goes, I want to marry you, but first, the first thing I want to do is I want to tr- hitchhike across the United States. And we're talking, this is back in like the year 1971. He said, I want to hitchhike across the United States. I want to have this great adventure. And when I come back, I want to settle down and marry you. And she's like, that sounds fine. You know, he sounds like this rough and tumble guy. He just disappeared. The family never knew what happened to him. Dana's mom never heard from him again. He just vanished. Just gone. So maybe he found a new life somewhere, or who knows? But he just disappeared. And of course, you know, 70s and 80s was kind of the height of the serial killer, especially the roaming serial killer. So it's always kind of a creepy story. But anyway, so one night, you know, Dana would talk about her house being haunted and things like that. And her mother also thought it was haunted. And I knew her mom. I met her mom. And one night, 
we're getting going to bed. And I go, okay, I'm just going to fall asleep on the couch. And she's like, okay, good night. And she goes upstairs. Now, I have this thing where I don't like couches that are in the middle of a living room. I don't like being around where something can like come up over the couch from behind. I like my couches to be against the wall. But it wasn't my house. What am I going to do? Rearrange her couch? I fall asleep on the couch. I wake up in the middle of the night. Now, I'm not going to say it was three in the morning, the witching hour, but it was quite late. I woke up with a start. Like something just, and I'm laying down on the couch. I'm laying down on my side. And I remember waking up and almost instantly popping up. So I'm laying down with on the couch sideways. And I something wakes me up. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting up on the couch. And my feet are touching the ground. So it's just like this one movement up. And the living room was completely silent. And I heard what could only be... This is going to sound so ridiculous. And again, if you guys don't believe me, I understand. But I heard what sounded like a creepy, deep laugh. Like a... (laughs) And the living room wasn't... I remember this vividly. The living room wasn't like pitch black. I remember the living room was lit up with the little blue electronic lights that you'd see on like a VCR or a microwave light, uh, you know, microwave display, stuff like that. It wasn't completely pitch black, but it wasn't, not everything was visible. But I had enough light to see details in the living room. And I sat up and I heard a, <laughs> I sat there perfectly still. And the only way I can describe it, it's going to be hard to do over the podcast, but I'm sitting up and there's nothing, you know, there's nothing behind the couch. Like the couch is just sitting in the middle of the living room. And it was like if you're sitting in a chair and someone passed their hand, if some, okay, imagine you're sitting in a chair in the middle of a room. Imagine if someone was standing behind you and put their arm straight out and then moved their arm over your head just enough that you see their hand moving from one side to the other. So you knew there was someone behind you. If someone was standing behind you with arm perfectly extended, palm down, and they move their hand from one side to another, like over your head, just enough that you can see the fingers. That's what I saw. I just saw a hand kind of appear right over my right, like from the vision of my right eye, and then just move like someone was passing their hand over the top of my head, but just enough that I could see the hand. And again, I... I, I can't even think of words to describe the hand. I mean, it looked like a normal five-fingered hand, but it had... It didn't seem like a shadow person's hand. I just can't think of a word to describe. There was It was unearthly, obviously. It wasn't a human. And I could tell it wasn't a human. And I sat there in her living room, and I go, Dana? 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 And I'm waiting to hear her say something. She's upstairs. And I'm being much louder than I am on the podcast. And I have my backpack. And I get up. And I grab my backpack. And at this point, I'm yelling. Dana. Dana. I'm leaving. The door's going to be unlocked. Which probably isn't the the smartest thing to yell. But I'm going, Dana, Dana, I'm I'm leaving. The door's going to be unlocked, but I have to get out of here. Me thinking that if she just heard me yelling Dana a couple of times, she just didn't think anything of it, or she was just kind of waking up. Now I'm saying, I'm out. Your front door's going to be unlocked. This is, you know, it wasn't the best area. We're in Antelope now, actually, where she was at. So it was better than Orangevale, but I'm like, and I'm saying this as I'm leaving the house, because I don't want to be there anymore. And I shut her door, and I leave. I go home, 
And I was at my grandma's house at this time. So again, that's where all that other shadow stuff was happening. I go home. I get a call like at six or seven in the morning. And it's Dana. She goes, dude, where are you? Because I we were just we we're going to hang out the next day. She's like, dude, where are you? You're What's going on? I go, dude, I'm home. I, I came home, dude. Your house was way too creepy. I couldn't be there. And she's like, what's going on? We ended up, I ended up driving back out there to talk to her in person. I said, dude, so here's what happened. And I told her the story I just told you. I said, I'm sitting here. Something woke me up. I heard this laugh. I saw this hand pass over the top of my head. And she's not interrupting me. She's just looking at me the whole time. And I go, and then I yell, I go, I yelled your name like three times and you didn't respond. And then I said, hey, I'm leaving like as loud as I could. Your front door's unlocked. And I left. And she waited till I got done telling the story. And she looks at me and she goes, that's, that's impossible, Jason. It's impossible. Um, what do you mean? She goes, if you had yelled my name, I would have heard it. And I'm like, I yelled your name. She goes, you might have yelled my name. You, you probably did. But she says, you can hear the way that the living room and the house was just built. It was like a tract home. It was like a cookie cutter home. She said the way it was built was that there was a vent that went from the kitchen right into her bedroom. And she goes, I can smell what my mom's cooking through the vent. She goes, sometimes if I listen closely enough, I can hear the grease crackle in the frying pan from my bedroom because the acoustics through that vent are that good. She said, there is no way that I shouldn't have been able to hear you yell. And she goes, and even if I didn't, even if I was dead asleep, she said, my bird, my pet bird, wakes up at literally any noise whatsoever, and it's magnified for that bird. She goes, if I'm downstairs, she goes, if I'm downstairs and I say the bird's name, upstairs he will start cawing or doing whatever birds do. Because she goes, there is no way you could have yelled my name and I didn't wake up, and especially for my bird not to have just totally lost it because someone's screaming my name. Because I say the bird's name downstairs, the bird will respond upstairs because it hears me. And I remember... We talked about it for a while because she believed that I did that. The question was, why didn't she hear it? And why didn't the bird hear it with these acoustics? The idea of a ghost being able to mimic your voice is creepy enough. But the ability to silence you is terrifying. The idea that when you go ghost hunting, if I go, hey, guys, let's f- stay in a group. Let's not split up when we're in this area. But then for whatever reason, you don't split up. You simply go into a room. You go, hey, I'm going to check out in here. And someone else is outside that room. The idea that then you could be begging for your life and the person right outside that room doesn't hear anything. Or you're in a forest and you sli- slightly get separated for whatever reason. And something happens to them, and they're screaming for help, screaming for assistance. And the other people are completely oblivious. It's not outside the realm of possibility when you're talking about any sort Because sound is basically energy. It's waves. And if you're able to disrupt those waves, you can disrupt the message. Sound is something that we take for granted. We think if someone's in the next room and they cry out for help, you should be able to hear them. It's simply a sound wave coming through a wall. But there is something out there that can disrupt that sound wave. There is something out there that can make the loudest cry for help completely silent to even the most sensitive ears. You're never safe from these things. And when they want to silence you, they can and they will. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. 
Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Everything I said was true. Everything I said was true. I, I always want to end on that when I do these personal stories. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs>